Alicia. Yeah. Danny. Hello. How did you two come across each other? Come across? That's a change. <laughs> so yeah, so we've actually never really met before. No, we haven't, no. So this is our first guest who we've never actually met before officially. But we know a lot about you through our friends Mike Key and Rob Hallett. Yeah. You know those boys? <laughs> I do, I do, I do. Production boys. Yeah, so obviously you have the brand AGR Knit, one of possibly the best knitwear brands in London per the world. Per uh, the world? I would say per, so, yeah. I'm thinking the wrong name. <laughs> Thank you. That's a lovely introduction. Isn't it? Well, maybe not the pair, but it's what's, what's, what's the correct phrase? You know what I mean? It's the uh, the best brand in the world. That, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what you yeah. meant to say. One hundred percent. So yeah, you got AGR on it. Yeah, that's the one. What we actually is it? just called it AGR. It gets confusing though, guys, but because I know I've got the Instagram as AGR knit, but AGR was already taken, so it's one of those techie things. Because you aren't wearing any knitwear right now. No, I'm not. But I'm wearing AGR. And so it's not just knitwear, Danny. <laughs> it is not. That's the first bombshell that you get from this podcast. <laughs> true, true, true. Yeah. So we what, really dig deep. In journalism to find out the <laughs> yeah. questions that no one else knows. So what is AGR? So AGR is a luxury brand. We started off preliminary, oh, what do you call it? Preliminary? Preliminary? Yeah, as a knitwear brand. But over the last two and a half years, we sort of like widened the scope of offering. And so now we do a lot of like outerwear, wovens and denim as well, which we're like really proud mm. of. But yeah, the main focus is definitely knitwear. Like I am from a knitwear background. So yeah, that's the vibe. So what is that knitwear background? The knitwear background, I would say that started with with my mum. So my mum used to be a knitwear designer, but kind of in a different sense. She didn't have her own brand or anything like that, but she definitely like designed knitwear patterns. So starting with like hand knitting rather than machine knitting, which is what we focus on. But when I was little, my mum used to sort of like, instead of watching the telly, she'd be like, why don't you do some cross stitch? Why don't you do Aww. this? Yeah. So free labor. Basically, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> to keep me shut up, she would like get me to do cross stitch and my brother would be watching the television. So it was a bit unfair, but yeah. Would that ever get utilized in your mum's stuff? Like with a cross stitch, which she kind of cut around it and used it as like a... So by the time like my mum had me, she'd already sort of like taken time off and then changed it up. And then she started doing like wedding dresses and stuff like that. Oh, wow. But she would definitely frame my shit and put it on the wall. Oh, nice. At least it wasn't <laughs> yeah. wasted. Yeah, 100%. Does she still frame your stuff and put it on the wall? Mm, no, not anymore. <laughs> what yeah. space does she have? <laughs> She's moved out, so yeah. So HR. Yeah. But we've also known it as HR Knit. Sure. Especially because the very handsome man to my right has Hello. been rocking some AGR products. Yeah, no, I've seen. That jumper looks so nice on you. I love it so much. Who's in charge of your social media? It's, it's there. Well, for a long time, it was just me. And then we had a content creator girl called Amber, who actually came through on the Kickstarter scheme, which is like really cute. And now we have somebody else who's like freelance. But I would say it's like mainly me. Because there's there's a carousel. Yeah, and it's you. the Well, it's because that's the one that was shot by Louis Bever. But before that, mm-hmm. there was the uh, the one of the multicoloredness. So I've got the, like, the red and blue one. Yep. And the one with the yellow, red and blue. Yeah, yeah. It's like a really handsome bloke wearing that. Yes. Two slides of him. Another guy posing in the mirror. Two slides of him. <laughs> yeah. That is me, like a proper slip of me just stood in front of my sofa. And I can't remember where that photo's from, but it was definitely either a screen grab from a video or it was something. Do you know what? But I feel like I messaged you and was like, have you got a good photo? And you sent me that. <laughs> so I think ah, it was actually I think you. you're right. So that, but then, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. You've then got your own solo post. You've got your own carousel. Yeah, I do. I Why are you moaning? You, I gave you your own post after that. <laughs> that was an apology. Yeah, no, those, then I think those film photos came through and I was like, wow, these are nice. Yeah. Okay. yeah I think yeah. I missed you. Because I think you said, like, have you got any photos of you wearing it? I was like, I've only got these. Not expecting them to go anywhere, but just being like, <laughs> oh, is it kind of... Were you annoyed? Were you annoyed when you no, said that? No, it made me laugh. Okay, like, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> so so long before, you know, the bland... The, long before the, the brand... The bland? <laughs> yeah. The bland. How rude. <laughs> <laughs> long before the brand, uh, you know, blew up after being worn by Danny Lomas. 
Another mm-hmm. celebrity, mainly that name was <laughs> exactly. blew it up. Sure. You know, you had to go to university to study. Yeah. Now, most people go to university, you know, they go to a town far away from home mm-hmm. uh, so they can go get drunk and like mispave away from the parents. You went a few miles away, yeah? So you grew up in Croydon. I know, yeah. And yeah, you went to Chelsea. Yeah, I went to Chelsea College of Art. But the story, well, you say didn't go very far away, but I actually grew up in Croydon. And when I was like 14, 15, I got into quite a lot of trouble and I got sent to boarding school in Devon. And then I didn't come back until I was 18. And then just came back to doing all the naughty shit straight away. <laughs> if you don't mind me asking, what was the naughty shit I could send you to Devon? I mean, just like, so I went to this school called um, Croydon High School for Girls. Yeah, I got expelled from there for like smoking weed, being mean to teachers. Um, yeah, there was <laughs> Being just, a shitbag. Ba- basically being a massive shitbag. We even made this like, um, like an online burn book, basically. It was a website and then it turned into a lot of like people started being mean to each other on there, being mean about teachers. Right. Yeah. And they were like, you're out of here. And I was like, keep back. <laughs> and reflecting on it now you're like oh yeah that makes sense yeah or yeah. when they said can you delete the website I should have just deleted the website yeah. do you know what I mean but it wasn't meant to be like that but you know when kids are kids and then basically my dad was like what should I do with her they were like send her to boarding school and I was really? like what the fuck I was like you actually listen to them that feels like some kind of movie oh it was mean it was like you know St Trinian's yeah. like that kind of film remember you know the movie Wild Child <laughs> yeah it was literally like that turning up so Lindsay Lohan's going to play you in the story of your life yeah <laughs> oh and my you... god I'd be actually like sorry guys just so a bit of a lo- left field one here there's a what? new Lindsay Lohan Christmas movie out I've seen it I've seen I've it I've watched it's it good. I've actually seen it's it it's fucking terrible yeah. it's so bad yeah and she's well old and in the film she's getting with this young guy she must be like 40, 45 she's 36 she's 36 because I looked, looks old and she? she can't emote either there's so no. much plastic surgery happened there and Botox yeah. it's impressive <laughs> when she popped up I was like yikes yeah so okay fine so you get expelled for being a shitbag uh-huh. you go to Devon and then you come back and you're like do you know what I'm going to move up in the world I'm going to go from Croydon to Chelsea yeah yeah, right. So I came back and my mum had always, I kind of never thought about going to art college. And my mum was like, I really want you to move back here. Um, I'd love it if you go to art college and applied and then started at Chelsea College of Art for my foundation. And then most people would kind of like move other places. I looked at Nottingham Trent. I looked at CSM, got into both of them, but I decided to stay at Chelsea. I don't, know, right. why, I don't know why. CSM were moving. <clears throat> they were going to move locations and everyone was a bit like, oh, is it like, do you want to go to a university that moves location halfway through? I mean, I'm kind of glad I didn't. I heard that they forgot got like the knitting tables and it was a bit wild but CSM's like but CSM's like you know I think for the non like non-industry person everyone thinks that's the pinnacle of fashion for university yeah and that and I actually think that their crown has kind of slipped over the last couple years do you know what I mean like I think Chelsea was a bit boring for me and I think CSM was too like fashion do you know what I mean I'm somewhere in between or the brand is somewhere in between as well I think we're in between like luxury and streetwear like I love a tracksuit I love trainers do you know what I mean whereas I think CSM would have just been a bit too much for me like when I heard that people were crying when Alexandra McQueen died it was a bit I don't know maybe don't be like but yeah you were more upset about take that break up (laughs) I know exactly what you mean like guys okay cool obviously it's a very sad story and like I love fashion but I wouldn't be on the floor like weeping Yeah. so Chelsea just seemed like an alright bet I mean Nottingham Trent was cool but when I went there I think that that city is just a bit man made like everything's on top of each other it's not really my vibe but you know they've got a really good course there but yeah, I just stuck with Chelsea. And what were you studying there? Just textiles, BA honours, textiles. What does that consist of? 
Was it anything that you were going towards or was it just kind of jumping through the hoops? Yeah, did you know what you were so, going to do? So I think I always knew that I was going to do knitwear. So most people, when they do their foundation, you're trying out loads of things. And then the first four weeks when you're at uni, on a textiles course, you do a bit of print, you do a bit of like stitching and things like that. But because my mum had already taught me about knitting machines, I think I knew that I was going to do knitwear. So during those first weeks of like trialling, I just got pretty drunk and didn't go to uni because I knew. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and then when they were like, what are you choosing? Tutorial. Yeah, I was like, knitwear, cool. And I ended up teaching people a bit in the beginning and stuff like that. I had my own knitting machines. Like my mum had hers and so she passed them down to me. So I had a bit of a, a head start. Does that make sense? So what's a knitting machine? So basically, you you know when you do hand knitting, you have two needles. Yeah. When you do domestic machine knitting, you have a machine that's probably about like the length of this table. So probably about... A metre. Yeah, a metre, a metre and a half. Yeah. And like it's it's all like hand moved kind of thing. There's no electricity or anything, and it has like loads of needles, and you have to do certain techniques and certain things to get it going. And you like thread the yarn up through these things, and yeah, it's a very simple way of saying it. But and yeah. then you progress from those kind of machines to what's called a dubia. So they're like bigger again, and they weigh a lot. So if you own a dubia, you have to usually have to have like a reinforced floor or whatever. And then you go to the next stage, which is like factory knitting machines, which is what we've now got in our studio. Um, so, that's like the big boy. So where is your studio? Bermondsey. Bermondsey? Yeah. So Rob goes all the way to Bermondsey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, not a pot, it's just over the river, mate. You must have had a bit of a different experience going to university in London, kind of being from, not London, outside of London, but close to London. Mm. Um, so <laughs> Zone five. <laughs> so it's not got a London postcode, does it? So, you know, like where most people go to like, you know, messy Mondays or stuff like that. You worked at Visions. Yeah. No, Visions came just after. I think when I was at uni, especially when I was in my third year, I think I was working at The Nest. It was like the Palace Pub. Right. Bar. Yeah. But when I worked there, Bardens wasn't the Palace Pub. Bardens was just like a bit of a shit Turkish pub or like bar. Do you know what I mean? And the, But the guy who ran it was like quite nice. And then The Nest was owned by the Columbus group so you've got like Andy Payton or them lot who own XOYO etc alright yeah and they own like is it quite like cool or was this quite like, a, like if the you nest, know you know the like nest a... was cool but I think the way that I found out about the nest was because I used to go to a night called your mum's house that was run by Scott Whippy um, <laughs> I know that name I don't know he was like a promoter he was a really oh, cool so dude oh you don't make ice cream no no no, no, no. he was a really <laughs> cool Mr. dude Mr. Whippy <laughs> and he used to do it at I can't remember what the bar was but it was in Soho my friend Harry from H-Town uh, we used to live together and he was like wanted to go to that night and that was quite that was a very quite an alternative night at the time you know everybody from all different cultures every different like preference do you know what I mean and then that moved to the nest and that's how I found out about the nest and then me and my best mate tried to get jobs there she didn't get one I did (laughs) (laughs) but it's like I guess with kind of the clubbing scene especially with what you're wearing Mm. now do you reckon it had an influence on your designs or your I think it probably had more of an influence on my like career than my design so in the way of like the people that I met so definitely the people that I met when I worked at like the nest and then like you said like at visions or dance tunnel most of them are still quite important people in my life like who is there any sort of people in the industry that we'd know of 100% so you've got Jotty Singh so she's a DJ she's like become massive now you know she's DJing for like Jackamas parties going back to back with Kate Renada you name it um, she's also one of my bestest friends she just did the show music for our first ever show SS23 so she like did all the show music which was quite amazing and then who else would you know Green Tea Peng Oh yeah She's one of my besties as well Really? I was, yeah I was saying earlier I'm going to visit her on Thursday in Portugal Sick yeah, she's just Is that had, she's escaped her now? She's escaped there She's got a new baby Yeah of course Yeah 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 So she lives out in the sticks in the mountains So Yeah I can't very, wait. very cool I actually first met Green Tea 
thing uh, because she, do you know Farhad? Yeah, Farhad yeah, 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 Farhad, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to raise Farhad and we went to go watch him DJ at the Adam and Eve. Love the Adam and Eve. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. And do you know Farry as well? Love yeah, Farry so Farry's much. Yeah, yeah. And then Green Tea Peng was Farhad's selector. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's how I first met Green Tea Peng and then heard her, I can't remember which one, I can't remember which song it is, maybe Mr. Sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a um, song. And then, yeah, from then she's just blown up. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I know this lad. She's just, just my you know, So me and, me and her used to work at Visions. When we worked there, that was like, I think a pinnacle point in like my life, a lot of my other friends' lives, like Rhiannon Barry, who's a good friend of mine as well, big yeah. stylist. You know, there was a lot of us that worked there. Well, it was also like, I think in East London. For the culture, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like this club. I've heard it name dropped so many you, times. Yeah. Well, because I people missed. like Kanye would come there. Like, really? To so this shit, honestly, whenever you were there with the, when the lights were on, you were like, how are people coming in here? It's disgusting. Oh my God, it was disgusting. Yeah, it was like, you know, smell like the floor is sticky. But when it, when it when I first went there, it was completely empty and we used to just be like, what is this place? But it was open till 6am. So we'd all go there after working in other places, you know. And so it's a like, place where no one loves, but you'd all go no, there. No, I think people did love it though. It, everybody grew to love it. it was because then it started getting so busy like you could even roll there on a Thursday and know that all your best mates were going to be in there and you didn't even have to go with anyone Yeah. which I would never say about anywhere else and I would find that fucking weird do you know what I mean <laughs> but I think also I lived on the same strip so it was kind of like let me just pop in on my way home and then I basically got poached as the door girl from the nest to then go and work at Visions and when I first started my career I was working at Visions Thursday night Friday night and Saturday night from it would be like 10pm till 4am then I'd still be going to work at other places sometimes you'd roll straight through you know and then well, so, so it's you that would, I'd have like, fucking issues with getting into the club that then that would 100% be For me fuck's sake yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cancel this now cancel yeah. this now <laughs> door bitch yeah that was what it used to be to be fair there's people that I've met since that were like you were that girl and I was like are we still holding this grudge I'm not sure but like yeah or people would like message and I was like it's not that deep it's just a club but at the time it was like people were so gagging to get in there and it was the only place in London that would let you in in a, in a tracksuit and so like that's when Skepta kind of like you know really I'm not, I don't want to say took off but obviously he's yeah. always been massive but I think that was when he had like a bit of a research or like BBK really really went full force and like they used to come and sit in the green room upstairs like him Jammer um, Meridian Dan you oh, yeah. name it all of them yeah. yeah that little VIP area at the back which oh, is yeah. just a little bunker <laughs> yeah. fucking you don't want to know what used to happen in there <laughs> oh, I guess before we go back to fashion then what would be the, the funniest or worst thing you've seen at Visions oh um, yeah some girl she shat herself on a chair <laughs> <laughs> what she thought it was a toilet no, no yeah no listen my mate Rhiannon she got fired because she put it on she put it on social media and they were like you can't put that on there she was like but she shat herself so why can't I put it on my Instagram and then obviously she got reinstated but like it was just funny that she got fired for that fuck's sake Paula what happened <laughs> I don't, yeah. that, but that's how fucked people used to get in there right. like oh she was mega drunk it wasn't uh, like IBS it was no, like, no no I mean a bit both <laughs> a bit both but I think people people used to be getting carried out like the number of fights that used to happen in there was crazy like the things that used to happen outside mad like the club sometimes used to get shut down and we'd have to pull the shutters and lock everybody in because of the fights that were going on outside no way yeah and like I, I've i been like hit around the face etc but you know it but was, everybody it was wanted this, to be there it was yeah, mad it was like but that's it like Kanye West was like mm. wanting to go there and stuff like that yeah, and was it, that when Gianna was doing like yeah uh, he was the yeah. manager and like we had like I remember when Metro Boomin played there like the queue what? was all the way around the corner you know Ed Sheeran used to come there Pharrell oh my god Bear, yeah loads of people and this is the whole thing is like Dalston and East London has changed so much, you know. Like you've, I never you've go lived there here now. for so many years. Like what 
for like 11, 12 years, you know. It's like, so, you know, I'd love to keep talking about uh, the yeah, horrible no, experiences no, no. Of, yeah. of your bar time. But, you know, so you graduated mm-hmm. and then you started freelancing. Yeah. For some pretty good houses and pretty big companies. So wait, wait, I graduated and then I interned. I would say like properly, like full-time interned for like a year, which is a long time. And like, I've had this discussion with other people before about like interning and things like that, that sometimes it literally is like the survival of the fittest. Who can intern for the longest with no money and still and until a job comes around the corner but whilst I was interning I always had like two other jobs so like we said like visions and somewhere else so I never had the privilege of just interning like and somebody else paying for all my living etc and like I said as well I would even be in Croydon travelling all that way but at the time it didn't even seem tiring Yeah, (laughs) can't even stay up past 10 o'clock now (laughs) (laughs) James Long so that was my first like proper internship and it was quite funny because I was trying to get hold of them for ages like James Long Christopher Shannon I loved them at that time like like do you think I look like Christopher Shannon? Mm, no. Okay, I love you for that. <laughs> yeah. I started, I wanted to intern for him and I kept emailing them and no one would reply. And I was like, what the fuck? And then it was funny. I met this girl in a smoking area one time, just Classic. got chatting and she was like, oh yeah, I'm um, assist Luke Jefferson that used to be their stylist. She was like, let me drop them a message. Luke Deer? Luke Jefferson Deer? Luke Jefferson, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was sat next to him. I'm, yeah. Yeah, literally about See, two hours ago. Oh really? What, at the Ferrari dinner? Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, and then like I got a response from James Young and I started interning there. But it's just funny how those things work. You literally sometimes do need a foot in the door, which is good and bad. Do you know what I mean? I started there and I stayed there for about a year. I loved the team. And they started putting me on as like doing knitwear because yeah. I didn't really know much about pattern cutting and things like that. What is James Long? Like for I don't know this brand myself. So James Long was like one of the up and coming menswear designers of that time. Which yeah. I can't even remember how long ago that was. Probably like seven, maybe eight years ago. Maybe yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I would definitely say it was like James Long and Christopher Shannon were like leading the way. But so it's just everything. It's not like, is there a specialist at the like specialising? He he just always had like quite funky shit. I wouldn't lie. I think Sick. that one of his best collections was was based on Ibiza. Um, oh, right. Cool. Yeah, he loved to party. Sick. For sure. But yeah, and then he put me on doing a lot of his knitwear and I started doing like one-off show pieces for him. I would definitely say that's how I started my career. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, you also interned at Coldwall, Missoni and... So this is freelance. So yeah, Uh, so that was freelance. So like James Ong was interning and then I went to start off like doing my freelance career. So people would come to me and be like, we want this one-off piece for the catwalk. So one-off piece would mean it's not going to get reproduced. Or I wouldn't reproduce it because usually it's really too expensive. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think people do that as much anymore as young brands have just show pieces because you need to sell shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I kind of became the name to go to to do that. For knitwear. For knitwear. Yeah, for sure. And then, yeah, like you said I then moved on to do pieces for A Cold Wall did pieces for like Grace Wells Bonner um, worked for Helen Lawrence a lot yeah and then eventually started like doing quite a lot of work for Yeezy what were your pieces looking like at the time then like when you were doing knitwear what was the kind of vibe of it did you have like an overarching style or was this kind of you take it and adapt it to the brand yeah could you could you like put your own style imprint on it would they ever ask or they like you go make this so basically I wouldn't do something that I didn't really like so obviously a brand would come to me and say this is the design that we want to do this is what we're working around the rest of the collection and then I would come back to them maybe with a mood board or suggestions of different techniques and do I would start off doing little swatches that's how I like to work and Sick. then we would go from there with like a colour palette but they what would were def- your swatches like then was it styles of knitwear then your like swatches so the swatches would kind of be like little experiments to do with their vibe yeah. so say they wanted different techniques or different colours to do with their colour palette I would experiment probably come back to them with like 10-15 swatches and then they'll pick the ones that they like 
and then we just keep refining it, refining it, going backwards and forwards, sending photos, and then eventually they'll be like, cool, I want this in a jumper and I want that in another jumper. Sick. Nobody came for me for like plain stuff. The only time yeah. I ever did that was like Grace Wells Bonner and that was because I needed some money. What was the hardest one to do? Like what kind of pushed the boundaries the most and what was the one that you were most proud of? I think the work that I did at the beginning with James Long, I loved it because he was really experimental, like just mad. And if you like see them, some of them are like super like intarsia, different colours, different like textures as well. That's what I'm into. I like processes. Sick. So if it's not, I don't just like flat, flat knitwear. That's not yeah. really me. You know, like your jump is all crushed. <laughs> yeah. I think, so they're, they're some of my favourites. And then I think I also did freelance work for, I don't know if you guys know her, but like she's got an amazing brand, Alawalia. Oh my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she's one of my best friends as well. Sat, ne sat next to you in the showroom over there. Yeah, yeah, the shop. yeah. For sure. For sure. For sure. And so like me and her actually met at James Long interning. So she came a little bit after me. Ah. And then she was about to do her MA. She commissioned me to do work for her. So that was just amazing because she's an amazing designer and we worked together and made some beautiful pieces. Yeah. And I think I would love to do stuff again with her. We've talked about it in the past. We've, yeah. we've tried to get Priya on the podcast and she's like, get me discount at Prada and I'll come on the podcast. So Did partner, she say that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. She, she, know, she knows what we can offer. She's like, I know I can't get a fee out of you. Okay, fine. It, there's no sponsorship on this wow, podcast. Wow, I feel like I came on too easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, notice that she's uh, she's still not been on. So we, we're, not done, we're not done well with that Prada discount <laughs> for her. Discount. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, we're working on it, Priya, I swear. So a cold wall then, did you yeah. work directly with Sam or was it? So, no, it wasn't direct with Sam. It was actually through somebody that was working with him at the time. They came to me and said like, oh, I know you're like the number one person for knitwear. And this was like, must have been like at least five years ago. And I did three different pieces. They were like probably a bit more simple than I would usually go for, but the construction was interesting. It would be like a patchwork of two jumpers kind of coming together. And then they would use those like one-off samples to then go into production. So yeah, that was a different kind of way of working, but it was definitely an experience and I was really proud to be a part of it. Sick. Yeah, because mm. I, I feel like, you know, if you're talking about that time period, he was... Blowing up. Brand, well, that brand was very exciting in regards to like what it was doing. You could look at it and go, oh, it's just plain black sort of stuff. But then yeah. you actually went into like the construction of things mm -hmm. and the way they use materials. And it was so interesting. And you know it from a mile off, even yeah. if it's just one colour, like you said. Yeah. And like, he's just got an amazing like vision. So... Exactly, yeah. Yeah, even to like have the opportunity to make like just three samples was wicked. You are the knitwear queen, but we heard that you might have worked for like probably the biggest knitwear company out there, Masoni. Yeah. So where, so I did like a little bit of consulting for a week. Um, it was an opportunity to go out there and sort of like do swatches again or like sampling. And then they like moved forward with like who they wanted to be like head of their the final project, which wasn't me, but I was still proud to be there, you know, and all the swatches like went into sort of like their development and whatnot. And just to be able to be at Masoni and like at their sort of like their factory and their design houses on the same like like plot and like, right. when you drive up to it it's in a place called Gallarate just outside of Milan oh right Um, it feels like Jurassic Park when you get there it's all like gated and it has like a bit of a forest going on around it and like just to work for like a sort of like a powerhouse like that is insane like that was like bucket list tick off yeah well Mizzoni's known for the knits yeah what did you wear on your first day I think I think I actually just wore like a stripy t-shirt and a camo skirt like a bit mad did you want to be seen or <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean I had a shaved head so I was definitely seen do you know what I mean but um, yeah I think I just went in there super casual because I knew that we were working on site as well but yes, it's that, like, is, that is a good question I probably should have thought about what it were you, so what was your style at that time then because now, now you just wear AGR I'm yeah, assuming yeah I just wear AGR 
made you out with little hints of other people. So what were you wearing then? That was just like me being, I think, just a bit out there. Like those, the stripes, the striped t-shirts came from like Barcelona. I love things that are just like a bit random. And a stripe obviously like is very in keeping with the brand. But I would say, yeah, I think I'm always quite streetwear based and quite casual. Like unless I'm going to an event, that's when you see me in like heels and a dress. So if we saw you on the door then, you know, around that time, oh. or like when you were like, you know, going into work for Sam and people like that, like heads to supreme, what, yeah. what are we talking about? Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's literally just what came to my mind. Like I love a puffer jacket and I love like a really like stand out there kind of jacket. So I've always got like the new Supreme. So like, do you remember the ones that came out with lions on them? That was my favorite jacket. Oh, to wear on a shit. Yeah. yeah, 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 that was me. Fucking hell. Or like a gradient puffer or like, uh, like today I'm in like floor length puffer. Do you know what I mean? So anything awesome that would keep you warm and then probably just a tracksuit under What did you say? Awesome. awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So a little birdie tells us you used to work with Moalola on Yeezy Gap. Indeed. How was that? How did that come about? How do you feel about it now? But how was it at the time? Like, talk us through it. So, the funny thing is, I actually worked for Yeezy before Yeezy Gap. Yeah. Um. So, like, quite a few years beforehand. Um, it was freelance, wasn't it? It was freelance, yeah. And this actually came through when I was working at Helen Lawrence. She started working for him first because we had like a mutual friend called Tom. He had a friend that worked there as well. And they were looking for a knitwear designer or like freelance knitwear designer. And it's funny, like you're gonna look all the way to England, but hey, I'm grateful. Very, very kind of though. He was obsessed by England, weren't Yeah, he? yeah, yeah, for sure. And so many people flew over there. Let, let me get to it. Oh, here we go. Yeah, so like, he, <laughs> she, she started working for him first and I was like assisting on her knits. And then I remember I left her and then I got the call up that he would wanted to like work with me. I don't really know how that happened. And then we started working, I think it was from like Yeezy season three oh wow yeah so like I've made what are we on now just out of it, well, I think I, I definitely went to Yeezy season 5 but like I would make one off pieces for him yeah right? so for like as in him personally or just like for the brand no for the brand yeah and like I remember like some pieces opened his show when he did it in New York do you oh remember when everybody was like so hot that one where they were complaining oh that, yeah <laughs> They like they opened that one. There was another one that like had like sort of like lions on it, like appliqued on it. Like I did quite a few seasons for him, and it would probably be about four knits per season. Yeah. Um, and then like throughout the season, we would do di- other different like testing and swatches and things like that. But yeah. Did you meet the big man himself? I did not meet the big man himself, but here's the tea. So this has never been spoken about before in an interview or anything. But we did have this situation where like. Like, they rung me up and they wanted me to go to L.A. And I went to the airport, got on a flight, went to L.A. And when they were, like, asking me all that stuff at the gate, they decided that, like, I was there to work, which I was there to work. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I obviously didn't have a visa and I was there on an Esther. Uh, But, like, I'd been told... Wait, I thought Esther was a visa. An Esther is, like, a a, a, a a visiting. Oh, right. And so imagine, like, when I was in the car on the way to the airport with my mum, she was like, what's going on with the visa? I was like, visa? She was like, yeah, you need to have a visa. And I was like, no one's even talked to me about this. Yeah. So I'm in the car, like, what's up in the girl? She's like, you need to say this. You need to put this address. You need to do that. So I'm being, like, talked through it. Then I get to the airport and I was like, okay, cool, fine, whatever. And then I get to LA and they started asking me more questions at the gate. And they're like, how long are you staying here for? And I was like, a month. And they were like, well, your ticket says two months. And I was like, what? They, I mean, I know that sounds stupid that I hadn't checked properly, but they told me I was going for a month, but they booked me a ticket for two. Oh. Didn't even ask me, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> That is just how, like, it was a present. Yeah, 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 right. And then they're like, how much money have you got? And I was like, "Um, what am I supposed to say? And then they're like, who booked your ticket? I was like, I booked it. And they're like, well, the computer doesn't say that. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, no. And then they said to me, like, do you want to come into a room for more questioning? And I was like, like, what? 
Yeah. And then one thing led to another, and I ended up being deported from America. Shit. So is that literally hold you and send you on a flight back? Yeah. So they held me for like 72 hours oh, and then put me on hell. a plane with guns. Wait, so I, I'm <laughs> shut up, I'm take, I want to hear this. Yeah, shut what up, the fuck? Danny. They put me on a plane with guns and like held my passport and then like sent me back to England. And so I've actually been banned from America for about five, four. I think the ban is up, but like I now have to get like a full visa. So you know yeah, how expensive that is. Yeah, you can't just do like a... I can't go there on Esther and banned for that. But like I can, I came back, I continued to, for work, to work for him. And it's funny because some people would have said like, you know, like you should have got compensation or out of this or whatever mm. but back then you never did anything like that no. I was just happy got a tiny bit of compensation but yeah. like it was just a mad experience and now I think about it that was very much being like young dumb and in the fashion industry I was like wow I'm gonna meet him and I'm gonna do this yeah but, but here's the thing if I was one of those TSA agents right and you went I'm here to work for Kanye West. I'm like, yeah, go, on, go ahead. I, um, do you know what? And I literally <laughs> said that to them when I was getting interviewed and they were laughing at me. They were like, ha, ha, ha. And then they, but they went through my phone. They went yeah. through my baggage. They went through everything. They put like a terrorist act in front of me saying that I had to give them like the uh, the passwords to my phone. Oh my God. So that, yeah, that's quite happened, mad. That's happened to one of the PAQ boys. Yeah, it did. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, and Elliot's this is, and this is why people send their phones separately to them traveling. I mean, there was some other stuff on there too. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, when you first like, when you say you get held for 72 hours, what does that include? Like, are you just in the same room? You get put in this, like, so, I thought, no, I thought no, you meant no, like a cell. I mean, is it all inclusive? No, yeah. but is, is it a full <laughs> cell or is it like no, a... No, listen, it was actually terrifying and I like cried so much. They like took me from one side of the airport to another. They took my shoelaces out of my trainers. Oh they, my God. they moved me in like a police van that had a cage in the back. Um, and then they took me to this like holding area where there was loads of other people there and like I can't explain to you the the security on LAX and like I, I, don't, yeah, know what you, I don't know what you call them but they are mean yeah? yeah and they like held me in one room for a bit and then they were like we can't put you in that other room because there's too many males in there so yeah. we need to wait for more females to be detained to put you in there and I was like well, okay, very yeah. sorry <laughs> and then when they put me in there and I started talking to the other people like some of these kids were coming back to uni and like they'd been stopped and they'd gone through their phones and seen that they'd been smoking weed and then obviously they've said like oh that's against the law and they would say Send them all the way back to Saudi Arabia for a picture of a spliff. Like Fucking it's ridiculous. Hell. And then they like put me on this camp bed and I'd like be sleeping and then they would come in and be like, wake up. And then they would like interview me. And like bearing in mind that at the time I was still trying to lie and say like, I'm just here for an internship. Like, yeah. But then after a while they were like, just give it up. I was like, cool, I want to go home. Yeah. And, and then they put me on a flight home, but they literally boarded me onto the plane with guns and then sat me down. And bearing in mind, no shower. On a, on a regular plane as well? Oh no, on like a normal like plane. So someone comes on with, so imagine, it, imagine being on a regular yeah. commercial flight and then someone gets Led on with guns, sits down next to you, and it's like I think it's that fucking right, con. Yeah. I'm like, stay away from her. It was yeah. so extra. I literally stood up and was like, "It's just a visa. It's just a visa. Like I'm not some sort of like crazy person." I mean, so I'm, I'm here to work with Kanye. Yeah, <laughs> right. Sure you yeah, are. Like, not. Sit down, take your meds, fuck off. Like, Seventy-two hours. I was like, I'm sorry if I smell a little bit. <laughs> yeah. No shower, no nothing. And then like they gave me one opportunity to ring somebody. Yeah. And bearing in mind, Kanye. <laughs> yeah. No, but I asked them to call them. And and they like made a phone call and they were like everything's been taken care of but it wasn't and then what the fuck they let me make one phone call and I called my boyfriend at the time and I was like listen you need to call mum tell her that this has happened because they were opening my whatsapps and then closing them and what I didn't know that behind the scenes H-Town yeah, was like hacking my email trying to find out my place of where I was staying because 72 hours no contact to your yeah, mum oh shit she thought I'd been like picked up and murdered yeah and Harry, Harry's there like you know what Alicia's like she's probably gone out and got fucked like da 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 yeah then like 
like 48 hours, <laughs> Harry was like, this is quite concerning. <laughs> and then he managed to hack my email, find out where the place was that I was staying. He rung them. They were like, she still hasn't checked in. He was like 72 hours late and she still hasn't checked in. Yeah. And that's when people started getting worried. But because you could see someone was online on my WhatsApp. So that is quite murder vibes. Uh, ah, yeah. That's really bad. Yeah. But, um, Great yeah. TMZ article though. They're like, Kanye <laughs> stole my friend and murdered her. <laughs> yeah, in a box. Fair enough. But okay, so, you know. Even after that, we continued to work together though and like worked on loads of other pieces. And then that, then I even got called up to do the Yeezy Gap stuff with Moraloa, like you said. That happened during lockdown. And to be honest, it was a great opportunity because I kind of like locked that door. Yeah. But when they called me back up, it was also an opportunity to make some really good money like consulting and freelance and then be able to like put that straight back into my brand. Exactly. Because be- before when I started it, I wasn't doing the brand. And then obviously every single little penny when you're starting a brand, it enabled me to bring on my first ever employee. Perfect. Nell Downs, give her a shout out. What were they doing for you? So Nell like came on as my first ever or second ever intern. And then she progressed to be like my knitwear assistant. And now she's like my junior designer. Well, so, I think before we move on to what I'm going to call the present, as in the birth of AGR, we've got one question to ask to round off the past. We didn't really chat much about your personal style, but what is the <laughs> worst? A load of supreme. Mm. Oh, true. What is the worst supreme outfit you've ever? Yeah. <laughs> what is the worst outfit you've worn or worst trend you've been part of? So I would say at one point I had a job at All Saints on Regent Street. And yeah, obviously as part of the um, the uniform, you get those awful All Saints boots. So I have to admit, I, I used to wear them leggings and like a baggy t-shirt. Stripey? <laughs> Maybe. That, that, that scoop, that very scoop neck. Yeah, yeah. no, the one. Yeah, and they jingle as you walk as well. I'm I feel like the thing that would have made that is a little like Sunday brunch hat on top, like a mm. big wide brim hat. Yeah. Neck. No, no, no hat for you. No, no hat it'd be me. a trilby for all sits. Something like that. It'd be some fucking <laughs> yeah, it's or Sunday brunch hat. That's what it is. So yeah, no, terrible outfit. Thank you for yeah. sharing that with us. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, now that we've got rid of the dirty stuff, you know, the, the being deported from America, the terrible outfits, let's talk about the birth of AGR. Sure. So at some point, you're like, fuck you, Kanye. Fuck you, Missoni. And <laughs> uh, I'm sure it was bubbling for a long time. Mm-hmm. How did you start a brand? Why did you start in? Like, what was like the scariest part about doing that? What were the first steps? So I feel like we, like, well, we or me had like a very different kind of like start of a brand to most people. I feel like most brands, like the designer or the CEO or whoever, like came out of uni or, or wherever, whatever they were doing and was like, this is what I want to do. Mm. And like hand on heart, that was never my thing. Not like I'd never, I would never want a brand, but because I worked for so many others doing freelance, I saw how shit it was. Yeah. And like how stressful the person in charge was. And now that's me. You're taking the stress without getting much payoff. Yeah. And like, so I, it was never like the first thing on my list. I kind of at that point just wanted to like have fun. I was still really into partying. So it was, it just seemed <laughs> like a lot. Um, Wouldn't know through your designs. Yeah, right. And <laughs> um, there was actually this buyer called Mark from Essence and he approached me on email and the funny story is that he kept sending emails asking if we wanted to launch as a brand and I thought it was junk mail and Harry from H-Town eventually I was like I keep getting these emails like what is this and he was like Are you oh was Harry looking after you at this point so like me and Harry like were living together at that point yeah did um, he have H-Town at this point I don't know if he I think he might have just started it. This is when we used to live in Tottenham together. He, Because he started with Priya and some other brands before mine. Because um, I just wasn't ready. And I was working in a pub in Tottenham. Nice. Uh, just doing like my usual. I was actually the supervisor. Oh, um, hello. <laughs> 
And uh, we basically started off by doing stuff for Carnival. I don't know if you've seen on Instagram. So like a, a bunch of my friends for the 2018 Carnival wanted me to make them outfits. And I was Sick. like, all right, cool. So one outfit turned into like 15. And I was like, hang on a minute, guys. Like, do you know what I mean? I <laughs> for like, free? Like very small, very small. Pay covering costs. Yeah, just covering costs, being yeah. a good friend. And, I, and then me and Harry were like, let's make this into a thing. Sick. And we were like, oh, what about footwear? And I was like, let's try and contact Nike. So Harry had a couple of contacts. I had some. So we sent some emails back. And like, I'm not even going to lie. I didn't think anybody was going to buy it. And they actually came back and were like, we were just about to contact you about a project. They were like, this would be an amazing thing to start. So they supported us with trainers for every person that was kind of like in my group at Carnival. And as a sneakhead, what were they? Everything, but mainly like TNs. So yeah. I got to go through the website and just pick loads. Sick. And there was only 15 people, but I ordered about 45 yeah. pairs of trainers. <laughs> 45? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's she still got them in boxes at home. Still on deep up. No, joking. Um, so like, it, this van turned up and it, it was like, to me, that was like Christmas. Yeah. Like I've worn Nike my whole life and like to be supported... Boom. No, oh, no, that's mad. He's a prima uh, man. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> no, but like, um, for me, that was like Christmas and it just really felt like a, a pinch me kind of moment that like such a big brand was like recognising us or like me. Yeah, and then that was then when that buyer sort of like came through with the emails and it all started after that. And then the brand officially started in 2019 with like an um, exclusive capsule for Essence. Which point of 2019 was this? <laughs> Well, the pandemic hit at the start of 2020, so, so it was the it was end of 2019. I think it was around September, October. I'd have to double check. So you still had like six yeah. months before the pandemic. Yeah. I feel That's like, kind of nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I feel yeah. like for some reason I felt like the Not brand was... Not much of a daft question now, is it? <laughs> well, no, it still is because my point is still salient. Okay. Go on and I, I've know. not drank yeah. four, I've not drank four bottles of wine that's why I can say yeah. that word one of us has yeah. <laughs> you know I felt that the, the brand's been around a lot longer because obviously yeah. you know we'll move into it but like you know getting getting nominated for some rather prestigious awards and things like that like yeah. in what that would have been your second full year I'd, I'd yeah imagine. it was super early on but I think it feels like it's been around longer because like I was posting all of my stuff from when I was a freelancer and I was working under the name of AGR and so then when the brand started people were like we're gonna call it and I was like well it just makes sense to keep calling it AGR what does AGR stand for? Alicia Gabrielle Robinson so that's me oh so it's literally just initials yeah for sure and my mum used to call herself like JGR so that was just always stuck in my mind so it's like got a little bit of my mum in there too yeah but yeah you're right it does feel like it's been around longer I feel like it's been around fucking like 10 years but <laughs> so with the brand ethos like you've always kind of been very community driven mm -hmm. I guess then haven't you so like obviously the carnival outfits and then what else would you say has been like the core of AGR? I think 100% the core of AGR is like colour. That is just what hits you in the face. I feel like that's also why we like were, were able to create a brand during COVID because people were like uh, like a bit down and we had feedback from stores that kind of said that it uplifts you. It, it gave people hope. I think just in like a real time of like misery, we were able to like bring out a little bit of happiness in people. Like, you know, these buyers have said to me before, you don't need to put logos on it because the signature yeah, was so strong. That's, that's what I love about it as well. Exactly. And I, I guess, like, from my point of view as well, this is very, like, irrelevant. But as someone who works with, like, brands, like, a lot of time they say you can't wear stuff with branded logos, can't wear stuff with visible logos, mm -hmm. can't wear stuff that's, like, heavily branded. And I think to make a brand so, like synonymous with a style as well without having to have a big logo plastered all over it is a real credit to you Thank and you. I think that does bits go on what are you going to say as she sat in a 
massive logoed hoodie. Oh, yeah, me. Yeah, no, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I was yeah, thinking that. Was I was say, it's not it's... a small logo no, no, I'm wearing today. No, <laughs> it, he, you're exactly right. And I think that's, that is what I'm assuming is yeah, it's quite, you. It's like, quite rare, like, because yeah. I can wear that to anything. And I think that's why it worked really well, like, especially when I did the shoots with Louis. It wasn't like a branded partnership in the sense of, yeah. like, I'm going to wear AGI to show off that we're at AGI. It's one of those It's like, that net's fucking sick. It's AGR, isn't it? I'm like, but this yeah, is what is. I was saying is that I think more than any item you've worn in the last couple of years, that was the most like DMs we'd got. But like, where's that jumper from? Where's oh that my jumper? God, easy. Because it's not got a big like that. It's, it's like hundred percent. It's like beautiful jumper as well. It's funny as well because like this is what we always say as well, and that's what the buy the luxury buyers are saying too. Because obviously, if you have shit loads of money and you want to buy something logo, you're probably gonna buy. Like Gucci, Fendi, Fendi, Fendi. Yeah, yeah, and so I think it's hard to sometimes break into that market with logos. But then also it's funny because on the flip side you get streetwear and you've got like Cortez, uh, yes. whoever. And I think we fall in between. Okay, well here's a question for you. So you know you talked about like you know grabbing Croydon, you know mm-hmm. like, you know like, oh, I didn't have loads of money to buy this stuff, right? You know AGR isn't like accessible to everyone. No, for sure. Why not? So I hate that. I'm just going to put that on record. Sorry. Like I no 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 no. <laughs> I hate that it's not accessible to everybody but like I also appreciate how these stores have supported me and you know we've taken a kind of different avenue and I don't think we'd be in the map in certain circumstances if those stores like Essence, Net-A-Porter, all those kind of people hadn't pushed it but then at the same time like we've had such organic placement yeah. from like huge artists like Burner Boy like I wasn't yeah. even, I wasn't even with a PR agency then and oh, wow. you know there's no logo on there and like I remember when that collection came out and like his stylist immediately rung me on Instagram and I was <laughs> what, like okay. right? on Instagram like, that's so wrong you yeah, know you can right. do that right? yeah. <laughs> freak <laughs> but like and then I was like to my boyfriend like we need to go drop this thing round and like I remember he wore it in the video with Wizkid and I think that was a really big moment for me yeah I'm not even a fan of their music but Burner Boy and Wizkid to have a piece or yeah. Like, yeah an item of clothing in something like that is pretty monumental yeah I was like I was over the moon and, and we've continued a really good relationship since like he's worn a lot of different pieces from us like I'm on really good terms with his like styling team and his sister Renami like they're the so, ones you want to get in with isn't it? It, it, say again as a brother they're the ones you want to get in with oh my god 100% yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't be like yeah more blessed I can't lie I don't know like with the logo thing it's it's a hard one because then you've got Lewis Hamilton and he, he like posts up the back of the jacket with AGR but I kind of felt like that was a like he's not allowed to usually probably post logos or he can't yeah. tag so that to me felt like a little nod like I like your jacket that's Do you see it what I, mean? I think it kind of works in your favour where it's not like so heavily branded that it becomes bait where it becomes a competitive yeah, yeah, yeah. brand to people who do have logos but I think with people like Lewis if he posts that it's more like a if you know you know and it's like on the on the rare occasion you do have mm. AGR plastered across something and I think with people like Lewis how does that affect your brand because obviously <laughs> Lewis is into fashion but his fan base his fan base you wouldn't really associate with fashion no agreed has he brought numbers to the brand or DC is spikes? it spikes basically we had, yeah. that, we had a Percival uh, mm. Chris Go from Percival on the other week mm-hmm. and he said when someone from the they, all the Marvel people wear his stuff right. so whenever he sees that he'll wake up and he starts to Shopify and he's like 10,000 notifications and yeah. you see these mad spots Do you, when you know Ed Sheeran Burner Boy Lewis Hamilton Danny Lomas uh, <laughs> <laughs> wear, wear something do you see spikes so this is funny because somebody asked me the other day and, I, and they were asking about because Dua Lipa like wore one of our hats right <clears throat> Which she then deleted the post. Oh, do you know why? Was that was it something else controversial? I don't know. It was just on her story, and I I guess she just didn't. 
or that, yeah. <laughs> I guess she just didn't let the photo. But like, you know, like Rita Ora wore something the other day, like I, it's mad. Like when Lewis Hamilton first wore it, we obviously saw a lot of traction on our Instagram, but at the time we didn't have our own. Did he tag it? No, he's not allowed. I don't think he's allowed. Right, yeah. not so allowed he doesn't Because obviously it. they finished with Tommy. It's yeah, but it went sense. in the Daily Mail and like for us oh, it was wow. huge. Yeah, it was huge. And I Did they name like, drop you? They name dropped us in, in, on the Daily Mail. Well, they Amazing. didn't at first and then RPL got them to. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. what they're getting paid for. But like, <laughs> like then we saw the traction on our Instagram, but at the time we didn't have our own stops, like shop. So you couldn't see the direct and the pieces that he wore weren't released yet. So it's like uh, really, it's really about timing as well when you lend things because it's like you don't want to lend something too early. But then these not big, available and then. exactly. But these big artists want to wear it before it comes out, and then you're like, but you need that direct, like you're saying, like sales. Yeah. And now because he's worn it like four times, I feel like people just think it's standard. Yeah. I can't lie. I mean, he's the biggest one that I'd associate with AGR. Oh my god, yeah. What's he got? Like 25 million followers. Don't quite know the numbers, but, but obviously. I, I I think Burner Boy is also like maybe okay. more like culturally relevant as yeah. well, especially because he goes across obviously the whole of Africa, mm-hmm. Europe, and America. Mm. It's pretty imp- like he's pretty impressive. But does Burner Boy perform in it then? Yeah, so he well he Must did, be quite uh, but he did like music he's, videos in it. Absorb it nicely. He's done other performances and different things. I think with Lewis, he's like a, the nation's sweetheart, isn't he? So you, it's funny because you're you're like. You're getting traction from, like you said, people that are F1 fans. And yeah. even like my accountant would send me an email like, I saw that I saw Lewis Hamilton. So That's get, when you know you've made it. Do you know what I mean? My accountant. <laughs> I call it the mum test. Shout out, Robert. I love you. Did but you say the like, mum test? That's a really good way of putting it. I call it the mum test. It's like, if my mum knows who they are, yeah. then I'm like, oh, cool. It's it's mass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like my cousins in Newcastle are like reposting. Do you know what I mean? It's really sweet when usually they'd be like, mm, what's going on here? Yeah. Um. So you definitely see a different kind of like fan base as well. And, and when you're putting it in say like your brand book or you're trying to like appeal to bigger <clears throat> bigger brands to do collaborations that is a huge pull you can't deny that yeah so except for Lewis Dua Lipa and Bad Boy <laughs> who are the <laughs> and who's and like Mm. Pretty big. Well, fuck it. I was going to say, oh, who no, is wait, like... Oh, no, Ed didn't wear it. He was just stood next oh, to the Burner Boy. Oh, he was in the Burner Boy one. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fine. Well, who, who are you most excited about and who would be the celebrity that you'd want to wear it the most? So... Dead or alive? Okay, well, so... Go, go alive first. I don't think a dead okay. person can wear it, mate. So okay. I like so Rihanna. So this is a this is an interesting story as well, right? So Rihanna, about a year and a half ago, she requested all the samples from one of our collections. Wow! Yeah, and I I actually got the email and I cried because I was like, I, <laughs> how do you know it's from Rihanna? Just start so from her stylist. Um, so they messaged and they were like, hey, we've already got some of your stuff. She already owns some in her wardrobe, which wow. for starters, I oh was like, God. wow. And then B, they were like, we want to we want to pull the whole new collection. But so, how do you know this is Rihanna as well? Like, what, so what's the email the that you get? So it's the stylist. So it's her so stylist. You, it's for Rihanna. You, but do you know this? Do they say it outright? It's for <laughs> they Rihanna. Say, yeah, because I Yeah, they say this is. Well, we, we, had, we had issues where we used to pull clothes for yeah. certain celebrities who are on PAQ, mm-hmm. and we'd message brands, and they'd be like. No, we're all right. Actually, we don't want to be. A, so you have to say the artist, because yeah. otherwise. So you say it in the actual email, yeah. or is it one of those? Oh, so because... she. So, so the stylist emails me. She's like, they're like, hey, this is da da da, and then they say like, we're pulling for Rihanna, and then they sent a really wow. lovely email saying she already owns some of her, your pieces that she's bought. Oh my god! Um, and then they were like, we want to pull it for this. At the time, it was a campaign for for Ramoa, You know the suitcases. Yeah, yeah. So she was going to do a whole knitwear kind of thing. So we sent all of our samples out, right? Through FedEx. Fuck FedEx. What, even Fuck without... FedEx, they lost them all. Oh, in a box. Shit. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They lost them all in, in, in Memphis. So I know there's someone walking around Memphis wearing... Memphis is really hot though as well. But like, I don't understand. Like, this box got all the way to America and then... 
it never reached them. And I remember then on the Monday, they were like, it never got here. You missed the shoot. And I was like, what the fuck? Someone's getting fired. Do you know what I mean? And then, and then we found out through like more investigation that the box apparently ended up in Memphis and it was empty. And I was like, well, so have you got a picture of the box? They were like, no, we got rid of it. I was like, so you got rid of the evidence. And then, <laughs> you know, when you ship to other countries, sometimes in a, a trying to be quick, you just put like, that it's like worth like 10 pounds. And they were like, would you like to claim the insurance? And I was like, <laughs> you're taking this. <laughs> it's like, do you ever get those things like, you know, that that like viral like trend going around it's like hey it's gareth southgate i need three quid for oh, like shin pads yeah, okay, whatever yeah. you know there's like piss take ones do you ever think it's that and then you realize oh my fucking god this is the real person like how do you come to see him because there was callum that came on the podcast and he was like i just got a message from this random guy blah 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 he said this this and this and then i saw the email da, 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 at gucci.com or something like that mm, and it's mm, like mm. fuck that's when i really like it's true but couldn't anyone just kind of message you saying hey i'm working with rihanna on this small shoot like you've never heard of me before but i'm working with rihanna let's pull your stuff i imagine you google the name yeah no you google and like <laughs> yeah, rihanna, it was a small shoot you could just be like no the oh, stylist name though the stylist rihanna's style is obviously quite famous i mean of course rihanna's would be but have you no, ever thought of it has there been one that's yeah, like, like you know when it's like people write, send you stuff about lloyd's bank and you're like wait is this a scam exactly yeah, yeah. is this an idea for us then do we just start messaging a load of people going hey guys Right. Hey, how do you think I've got my gifting over the years? That's what I'm saying. Should we start doing that more? Yeah, yeah, right. I've been pretending to be that lad from PAQ. <laughs> you know, he actually went back to Yorkshire years ago, and this guy on the podcast is not Daniel Thomas. Yeah. Great impersonation, though. Thank you very much. I, I prefer this version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a shit bag. Um, I just want to take take a step back and just sort of like, just because you know we asked about we're kind of distracted is like, yeah, go on. The price point. Sorry, yeah, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> so Mike Key is your production manager. Uh-huh. Mike came on and explained why something's priced at a certain level. And I think that's a great great thing to, you know, you work really hard and that like, you've spent years honing your sort of skills and mm. like the craftsmanship. And I think that's what some people, when they look at a price tag, they don't understand like the level of detail that goes in something. Like, you know, you're talking about in your studio, you have these machines. Yeah. You're not shipping it off over there and bringing it back. You're not like, drop shipping an 18 quid hoodie for 400 quid. Do you know what I mean? It's, I am not, no. So, you know, like... <laughs> I, and we don't need like the, the definitive answer, but like, can we get like a bit of that? Why yeah, the yeah, price yeah. is that price? Bit of the breakdown. So I would say like I'm sure Mike explained already, but like so when something gets made, you have a cost price, and that's how much it costs me to make it. Then you have a wholesale price, so that's usually like times two. So say it costs one hundred pounds, we would then sell it to a store for two hundred pounds. Then that store then times is it by two point seven. To get right? their markup. To get their markup. That markup, you also have to like take into account that it's for their warehouses, it's for their like thousands of staff, it's for the shipping, it's for like, you know, taking it out Keep of the lorry. Keep the as well for brick and mortar stores. Yeah, exactly. So like the 2.7 is a lot. And like for us selling through the wholesale, it makes it so, so expensive. So a jumper can go all the way up to 800 pounds. I'm never like slagging off my wholesale stores because I love them. But I do wish sometimes that it was at a lower price point because I wish more people could be wearing it. Like I would like to see like way more people just on the street wearing AGR. And I would also like to be able to just like, yeah, just offer it to a wider range of people with like different backgrounds and different sort of like money in their pocket. So like you also make some of the knitwear in London. Mm hmm. And you, you do cottons as well. Yeah. Is that like Portugal? So a lot of knitwear is sampled in the UK. Because like I said earlier, we've got this huge machine in our studio, which is sick. And we also do a lot of stuff in Leicester. And then we do... What's the in Leicester? So Mate. that's quite like the home of like factories and stuff like that. It's the, oh. very, it's the middle of England. That's why. So it was easy oh, it to get everywhere. That makes sense. Yeah, very of course. Um, <laughs> I've never been. <laughs> they call it a sandwich a cob. Oh, fucking yeah. me. So, so do you. <laughs> no, we, just, we say butty or bap. As you, Alicia, as a human being, how do you feel or react when you see someone wearing AGR on the street? 
do you go up to them? Do you say anything? Or you just quietly, do you take photos? Or is no, it like... like uh, I, I, I like love it. Because like you said as well, it's not e so easily accessible. To, so to see somebody walking down the street in it, I'm like, wow. And it's just like a pinch me kind of moment for me. Sick. And it's... You yeah. should go up and say something to them, though. No, I do. Yeah. So basically, I was Not, at you shouldn't say you work for them. No, you go, like, oh, my God, that's the nicest thing I've ever seen. It makes you look more. so good. Yeah. <laughs> makes you buy more from the brand. I, and was at, I was actually at an event the other day with uh, Priya. We were at this, like, flippers roller skating event. Oh, in yeah. Shepherd's yeah. yeah, we went to that event. We're not going to London, though, are we? We went there, and um, somebody was wearing one of my jackets, and I was like, oh, somebody's wearing that. And Priya is an amazing businesswoman, right? And she was like, you need to go over. And I was like, no, no, no. And she was like, go over and say how nice it looks and say that you're the designer so I was like hey I like your jacket they were like mm, thanks and I was like no 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 <laughs> I made that like that yeah it was and I was like I made that and she was like wow actually and then we started a conversation and Priya was like that will probably make somebody want to buy it more because they met you in person that would do it to me as well like and, yeah if it was on the street I would also go up someone but I kind of knew it would be an influencer but anyway like it was fine and like yeah I just I appreciate the people that buy my stuff and I appreciate the people that like yeah just spend that amount of money on it, it it's mad and I guess going back without like cheapening the brand, how would you go about making a smaller price point? Because what you make is very premium. Like the first time I tried on your jumper, like it just feels incredible. The way it's made, the materials, mm. everything, it feels like a premium product. And I don't think you could sell at a cheaper price point without mm. sacrificing some either like quality yeah. or like, it's not just about integrity, it's genuinely quality. Yeah. But what would be an AGN knit if you were to make it for a cheaper price point? Like what would be a knit that you would be able to create for a price point of say 120 pound for a jumper what would that look like but so the only way that we could probably sell it like cheaper is to do more of our own web store you know right. so, that's how so it comes down to production so, in... so it's, it comes down to more like how you sell it so it's not right. necessarily the production it's like whether you're selling at wholesale so that's where that markup comes because it's wholesale but they're putting millions of pounds into their website and yeah. their marketing and everything of so course they so need to make their cash back and yeah, that's where you know, it's and they put us on the map but then for us it would be like the way that you sort of like change and you can't up. undercut them as well because then no and I would never want to either a lot of angry emails a lot of angry so it's like it's about doing your own web shop and then or web store whatever you want to call it and then sort of like we're trying to look at selling slightly different product so yeah. whether it's in different colorways different designs you know we're looking at different dead stock materials from other places yeah. um with like an interesting brand can't talk about it but yeah of course. You know? so you know it's it's working ways around it but also then trying to make different designs on your own web shop means like more designing on the side like your team is then focusing their mind on something else which costs like money and time so i think it's all about that at the same time so i think one of the things that people don't realize is obviously like you know we've talked about price here but like the price isn't what's going in your pocket you know exactly, you've talked yeah. about the lovely nell who works for you Nelly. <laughs> well, I know it's Nell. Yeah, no, no, no. no go I'm, on. I'm doing shout out. <laughs> okay, yeah, go on. <laughs> but you know, like you're talking about what's really interesting is a lot of people who listen to podcasts won't understand how things are marked up and they didn't realise, you know, the wholesalers then mark up the price. Mm -hmm. As a brand, we know from like friends and stuff like that, you don't make tons of money from having a brand. Where you make your money is actually by working with other brands and collaborations. And you've done some really exciting ones. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk us through some of those collaborations? Yeah, you're right. We've had some like really amazing collaborations that I'm really grateful for. I think they've started even just ones that weren't necessarily like full products. Like I think I started off with Levi's and then the next big one went to PlayStation. That was a oh, really- Oh, wow. That was a really fun one. Explain. What did you do with PlayStation? Oh, did you guys not do your research? Oh, we did, but Joe did do that research. I did it, I did it. She's got a show, company <laughs> the, 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 
millions of listeners to the podcast. I'm joking, I'm joking. So basically, we did this really cool project with, um, there's a, like a group called Liberty UK, and they brought us on, and they were obviously contacted by PlayStation, and they asked like, I think it was around five different brands to do different things, and it wasn't necessarily just clothing, there was a skate brand in there and everything. And a they, skate brand? Yeah, I can't remember their name, don't Yeah. Me. But like, they, they came to us and they were like, we've got a set amount of money, and we want this project, to, it was called Playable, so PlayStation Playable, and yeah. they were like, we want to give you this set amount of money for you to do something that you'd never be able to do without this kind of money. Wow, yeah. So, As in like, something that you wouldn't have spent your own money on? Kind of, yeah. Because yeah. obviously when you have a brand, money is so tight, so sometimes you can't experiment in the way that you would. Of course. And that's the really shit thing. Um, having like creative boundaries through money is yes. dead. But yeah. yeah, so they gave us this chunk of money and me and a friend came up with this idea and we said like, let's make these avatars. So we yeah. made avatars that were like dressed in some of the collection that we were launching with Essence. Then we like made them into these like mini little videos and then they got posted all around East London. Sick. It was mad. Like that was for me like to walk down the street coming out of Shoreditch High Street and see myself on the wall as yeah. an avatar. And then who else was part of it? I used like sort of like my closest like group as the muses. So you had like Rhiannon Barry, Troy, who's on my casting director, and really good friend. You had Harry, my stylist Jake as well. Yeah. If money was no object, what kind of techniques would you like to get into? Like, what would AGL look like if money was no object? Is there a technique out there that you haven't been able to delve into yet? So I, I would, uh, I was about to say I'd love my own trainer, but I would love my own trainer with Nike. Do you know what I mean? So it would be their money, not mine. What's the, uh, <laughs> what's the silhouette? TN. 100%. Is that TN sole or upper? Oh, the just the whole thing? Yeah, the whole a thing. Knit, a knitted TN. A, a, imagine, like a knitted TN. Knit TN? I feel like... Knit TN? Knit TN. Oh, oh sorry. Let's, let's trademark the yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's trademark it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Straight in the wet. No, it's trademark. It's trademark. You can't use that. Smelly in the wet. Yeah. To be fair, like last season we did like dip our toes in a bit of jewellery for our show. With Have you done breakfast? Well, you should do shreddies. Oh yeah, like the grandmas. You should do like colourful shreddies. Oh my god, we should shreddies. do our own. Can you stop saying this on the podcast? <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. No, 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 we're saying it on wax so that we can get commissioned. That's yeah. a sick idea. We should actually make that as one of the campaign just videos. Colourful shreddies. Just yeah. Knitting. Yeah. I think there's there's lots of different things that we want to push into, but I think as a luxury brand and like as a brand that's so small in this kind of climate, we're trying to be like really careful of how we manoeuvre yeah. like the industry. And I think that's like I I wasn't necessarily like you know made to be a businesswoman but I am now and I'm trying to find the feet with the brand and like we've tried to dip our toes into some things that I think we might have rushed so I think for us it's just about taking our time yeah like for SS23 show we dipped our toes in like with like jewellery with hat and labs sick amazing I love Jack He's also from Visions. That's yeah. how I know him. Oh, is he? Yeah. No yeah, way. Yeah, 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 Fucking yeah, yeah. hell, it's all small circle. I know, I know, literally. Um, so like, I think I'd like to do more of that when the time is right. So at the moment, we put that on hold as just like a, a one-off for the show. Yeah. And like for me, the important thing is at the moment just about like making the fit of our knitwear amazing, getting the price point lower by getting higher units. Yeah. I don't know if this is boring stuff. But so it's just through the mean? factory then? Like, this is through the factory. So, so when the more you... units you produce, the cheaper it becomes. Right, so like... This is the whole thing with production. This is why sometimes things are quite expensive. It's like you need, like, especially with tracksuits and things like that, you need to be hitting hundreds. Yeah. If you're not hitting hundreds, then the price point is quite high. So like we had amazing tracksuits that were being made in China that like we had to move back because we just couldn't because the surcharges were insane because they don't want anything under 100. Yeah. But like we now make them in Portugal and they're amazing, but like they still want hundreds. And sometimes when I get like a bit too creative happy, yeah. make too many styles, yeah. you know, Mike's like, babes. 
you need to condense <laughs> this. Yeah, he's like, you need to condense this so we've got more units and one style. So there's actually a lot of sort of like figuring out, there's lots of maths, there's lots of jiggling around. There's lots of meetings that goes into things that I think people don't understand about having your own brand. And it's really fucking hard. Can you describe to us one item that you wanted to release that never got released? We did leather bags. And they didn't leather get bags? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't get released from the show because our place wanted something like the minimum was like 300. 300 bags? Like 300 bags. And if they weren't 300... Wait, as in 300 bags is in like, not the Cockney Rhyming Slime. Yeah. <laughs> no, like 300 bags of 300 units. 300 units. And if we didn't do 300 bags, they were going to cost like... A, like a couple thousand per bag. Oh and my I was God. like, I don't think we're. And what like, would you sell there. them at? Th th then once you sell that to wholesale, it would have been like 20 rand. Do you know what Fucking I mean? It was the new Birkin. You're making the new Birkin. Like, listen, yeah, exactly, right? Have you seen that brand? What are they called? XLY something. And they're just putting a picture of a Birkin on a shopper. Quite amazing. Like a Sainsbury's <laughs> shopper. They're selling them for 50 quid. Like, Fucking hell. No, but they're Christmas quite cute. Sorted. I, I Christmas set a reminder sorted. yesterday for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's a good point. You know, you, you said you, you mainly wear AGR, but like you said, you do frame a few, couple other brands. Mm -hmm. What other brands do you wear? Who do you want to give some shine to? I want to give some shine to... Not Priya. Not Priya, Priya, you're blacklisted until you come on the podcast. Oh! <laughs> so, obviously the other people on Harry, not just because they're on Harry's agency, but like, I absolutely love Soul Nash. Yeah, he's amazing. Nah. And he's his mum used to look after me. What do you mean? He's from Hackney as well. Okay, fine. His yeah, mum yeah, yeah. used to look after me. What, like which when you were young? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not now. Yeah. So, so much his mum used to look after you and babysit you. Yeah. That's mental. He, and also, like, he's an amazing person. So I can imagine his mum is, like, the kindest woman on earth. Well, he was on PAQ. It was indeed. Oh, was he? I yeah, don't know. Dexter. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, Soul Nash. And then I think from just, like, normal brands that I wear, obviously, Nike, you got Supreme, Palace. I'm a bit of, like, a hype kid sometimes. Yeah. Which Rob Hallett always says to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's, like, an amazing bag brand. I'm not sure if you know about it. Lou by Lou. Louboutin. No. <laughs> Fuck's sake, though. Wait, no, Louis Akinwale? No, yeah. Yeah, I love yeah, Louis. He's one of my first Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Louis is fantastic. I, he makes incredible bags. There we go. So I love his bags. I bought it from like the first time it ever came out. So I've yeah. got about three now. Sick. Um, and I actually met with met with him the other day. Yeah, so we're planning a little special project. Man, Ooh. he's the most brilliant bloke you'll ever meet in your entire life. He's yeah. such a soft bastard. I love that man's pieces. Yeah, he's just really incredible. nice. And They're like, all made in Lagos, well, aren't they? Uh, exactly, and like, so we're going to do a little something for Sick. SS24. Makes I'm a lot really of sense. Excited. So do you buy any clothes yourself? Apart from trainers, mm -hmm. do you buy any clothes yourself or do you get gifting? As so a designer, I, do you get gifting? So I get gifting, like, obviously a lot from Nike and then I get other gifting. But I think as a designer, you're, like, more behind the camera rather, like, than the forefront of it. So of I don't get as much as you might think. Well, practically nothing, actually. Give me more. So your workers on 14p an hour have been working on their stuff. <laughs> Poor Nelly. Poor Nelly. <laughs> Nelly is not on 14p Poor an hour. Poor Nelly. John Lennon. Yeah, yeah. Poor Nelly's been working on their stall for so long, somehow in your bedroom. Um, <laughs> and it sets fire. It sets fire to your whole house. Yeah. You can save one item of clothing from your wardrobe. What would it be and why, Alicia? It would be, I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's like a, a rainbow AGR puffer. That is my number one. I wear that like, every other day. And you get about a million compliments as you're walking down the road. So that, for me, just makes you feel good. And then my number two would probably be, like, my Martin Parr tote bag. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Talk and us through that. Just, like, Martin Parr is one of my favourite ever photographers. Is um, this from a gallery or is this just, like, a print? So this was actually from a gallery. Yeah. But the cute story is I bought that from a gallery with my mum. So me and my mum love going to exhibitions together. Nice. That's, like, our thing. Every time it's her birthday or my birthday, we treat each other. Sick. So we went to, I think it was the... 
um, portrait gallery. So we went there and I bought this bag and then the handle on it broke. Yeah. And then Nelly one time went to a charity shop and she saw like four of them and what? they were like four pounds each. No so way. she bought herself and, and me one. So it was really cute. So I got a replacement. So the I have to say that. Depot. Oh no, they said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, like, but she only took two. No, she only took two. Yeah. Oh my but god. Like, there's an ongoing joke in the studio that Nelly likes to dress like me, so obviously we've got matching. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. So you know, like we know where you're at. We know you've got the hottest artist and the hottest model. Hello, Dan Nomad. <laughs> wearing your product. John pinching my cheek while he says that. Uh, we know you, you're not just knitwear. Your loads of cottons, your twenty thousand pound handbags. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we know you. We know you are the Nike plug now. But what is next for AGR? I think a really big part of AGR at the moment is trying to build sort of like the community side of the brand that's always come from the beginning. You know, sometimes I didn't even realise it until certain people like remind me as well, which is quite like, I don't know, just funny because when you're in it, you don't even like realise it. And so it's quite nice to get a reminder. But I think recently we've been trying to do more workshops and that came with doing stuff with Nike. And then we did our own sort of like workshop at the studio where we did sort of like customization and then teaching young people sort of like the day in the life of AGR. So it started off of customizing and then it finished off of like them running their own photo shoot Sick. like it was so cute it was like teamed up with Southwark College and just like the local community to our studio which is in South Bermondsey and we also teamed up with Prince of Peckham nice shout out to Clem yeah. and uh, they like gave us food like white men can't jerk like it was just a really amazing day to be able to offer up our studio and for you to get like an insight inside and I think the best part of it was like when the when the kids were leaving they even were like can we stay like do we have to go now yeah it was really cute and like even like one guy came up to me and he was just saying about how color expresses his mood and that's been a really big thing about agr and he sort of said like you know when i'm down it's dark colors when i'm happy it's like brighter colors which you know we've been looking into color therapy the fact that like it means a lot more and you know it can brighten up your day and it can just 100 change your mood i quite like that as well because i feel like color therapy is a is a big real thing where Mm -hmm. it's a certain color can and dictate the mood you are in. And I think with a lot of people, like putting on a certain colour will elevate their mood. And I think you can't be. Have you ever seen someone sad in AGR well, knit jumper? Yeah, right. <laughs> don't don't right, hold me to that. Don't hold me sad. to that. Yeah, well, no, like, it's true. Like one of our good friends, Dexter Black. Yeah. You know, he he started wearing black only mm. because you know he, he didn't feel great about stuff. Of and then he says every now and again he'll put a splash of colour in, and he feels a bit different about it. And like, yeah. Yeah. It's that's like, so true. It's like what I said earlier about my piece that I like say from a burning building. That AGR jacket, the rainbow puffer. Like, I had ladies stopping me in the street. They'd be like, this gives me hope. They were sending DMs. And it was, like, massively during the COVID time. But it meant a lot. And I think one of the buyers from Net-A-Porter said that when they discovered the brand, they sent it around the office. And everybody was like, this is amazing. Like, we need to push this. Sick. And I get it. Sometimes you can't be head to toe. Of course. I mean, that's me and I look mental. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> You know, Where's she escaped from? <laughs> yeah, like, but it, I mean, the day you see me wearing all black will be when I'm really sad. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we're building community, but like, here's the thing you know, you are a brand, mm-hmm. you're a designer, you make stuff, and accolades from not just your community, because I feel they're there. Like, we love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Accolades from the industry is really important as well. Now, you were a semi finalist for the LVMH Award. Yeah. When are you going to win it? <laughs> I mean, you tell me. <laughs> you bastard. 
Listen, like the LVMH award was amazing and it came at such an unexpected time as well because it was so early on in like the brand, like you said earlier. It gave us such an amazing platform to like meet some incredible people and just get recognized around the world, which I think is really important because sometimes you can be huge in London, but nobody else in, around the world knows you. But I really do feel like AGR is global and these prizes can really give you a step up. Yeah. So, I think know, it was Virgil that said it. When he said when he got nominated for the LVMH award, he said whether we win or lose the award, we're winners. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like with LVMH, then you've got like the GQ prize, you've got different BFC ones, you've got new gen and things like that. And I think we haven't had any financial backing in that sense yet. And it's kind of a mad one. Like sometimes you're like, oh my God, I'm so proud that I've got this far about. That's also really like a big credit well, to you. Well, I'll tell you what, <laughs> like, we've got, we've got but, Zach Maui coming on the podcast. He's GQ. <laughs> yeah, do you want to have a word with him? Drop, drop my name. We'll work on it for you. But like, it's like, there's a lot of different things as well with some of the prizes like GQ. We haven't even been able to get in there yet, even this year, because we haven't been running for three years yet as a business, which is mad. That's mental. Isn't it? Because I'm It like, must be about three years now, four years now. So when it needs to be like the official date we're just yeah. off so we're three years right. in january and oh it's just like, it's like just before have you ever thought about having a runway show we had one <laughs> <laughs> so the answer is yes why are you yeah. why are you in a fucking attitude the answer is yes is what you're trying to say <laughs> so, i wish you saw my face when you said that i got you there so we've got people like you know liam has spoke to us about this and i know like one of the reasons chris shannon sort of moved away from stuff is it's so expensive to have shows yeah like right. so what is the plan for agr in regards to like showing during fashion week so and would you I, stick with London? Yeah, I would stick with London because that's that's like me through and through. And I just... I, <laughs> really? <laughs> I was, fucking no, wait, wait, fuck off. No, I was thinking about it because I know like Bianca Saunders moved to Paris, but there's also certain things why people move to Paris sometimes because there's there's a prize that she won called Adnam. Oh. And one of the restrictions is that you need to set up a business in Paris. So, right. Like, and I know, feel like Paris is an extension of London. Like 100%. Milan feels like its own show. So Charles, Charles is going to Milan. Yeah, yeah. Milan Sam feels like... Paris. But I think for me, it's like I just feel like that is so daunting. I'm finding it hard enough in London. Imagine Never mind try- logistics as well. And yeah, logistics of then setting up a, like a thing in Paris. It's like I don't know the area, I don't know the models. Obviously, you'd make it work, but I feel like with that, there needs to be a lot of money behind you, right? If you ever want someone to walk, well, it so- might be my first intro to an AGR next show. <laughs> so, yeah, was like, you didn't get you didn't get an invite, you didn't get asked to walk. This is actually despicable. <laughs> He's himself out this is despicable. Good. I'm joking. Oh. No, I'm joking. But like, obviously, we had the show for SS23 at Fabric and that was like oh, a wow. yeah we did it at Fabric and that was actually um, one of my good friends Josh uh, that was his idea and he came through with that and like Fabric like hosted us and I thought it was like a really amazing like 360 of me working at Visions then doing it in one of the most iconic clubs in London <laughs> should have mentioned it yeah once or twice <laughs> yeah but like I think we're only going to start doing a show once a year yeah it is so expensive guys of course we thought that it was going to be I mean I put in a certain budget and it definitely doubled it you make some music and show your clothes no it's not like that at <laughs> no. all it's absolutely you know, like, you've got like you've got like you don't even realise you've got the security you've got like the production team wait do, they, do the brands have to pay for the security yeah, so I had to pay for security production team makeup artist hairstylist everything wow. and like usually as a new brand you'd probably get sponsored but in the in the season that we did it very few brands showed because it was still off the back of Covid yeah. and so everybody was like we're not going to do June we're going to do September yeah. but once I put my mind to something I'm not getting changed certain people yeah. were like you probably shouldn't do it and I was like well I'm already doing it who did the yeah. music for that show Jotty she did like a whole 
whole mix that was like amazing. You know, we met up, like she's one of my really good friends. She knows me, she wears the brand, shout out. She like, you know, she came through and she was like, you're international, like in the way that like your clothes are worn internationally. You like to travel, everything. So we took like a real selection of music from around the world. And like her mix was amazing. Everybody that came to the show said to me, like they they wanted to get out of their seat. It wasn't your classic, like kind of like fashion show music, which sometimes can be a bit boring. But yeah, I mean, it's like when I think, I'll sometimes hear some mixes, which Mm. are very like, so there's not yeah. much to it and it feels like that's fashion show music but I feel like brands obviously can go as wild as they'd like to but, but people, people get do. scared people get scared to do it and also like this is my thing as well because I feel like sometimes I get backlash from people that are already in that circle who say to me like this isn't what you do and I'm like well we're not doing what you do Yeah, we're breaking the mould and this was the thing which like when Nike came to work with me they said to me like you're disruptive and yeah. I do feel like that and I feel like AGR is carving our own path <clears throat> like we're a bit of a different brand like I don't like to like not not that I don't like to conform but it's just not me and it's not my thing like I'm, I'm just not really on like the normal like this is how you should do something like you don't necessarily have to spend like thousands and thousands of pounds on things you can do it with your friends and you can do it with your community and it has just as much impact if not more how mm. much does being London matter to you as part of this brand for me it's really important to like obviously know where you've come from of course and like support the people that have supported you so I think like yeah London and like England is massively important to me you're very plugged into the scene you know you know everyone even off mic we're chatting about oh you know this person this person right who is exciting you fashion wise to be honest I think one of my favourite brands right now is ERL I love them another one of Harry's brands yeah I love their knitwear also when they brought out this like new ski wear thing I was pissed because I'm an avid snowboarder oh yeah yeah like I go every year with all my friends there's like 15 of us that go on these trips and like I'm kind of sick can't lie and like when I saw I had like um, planned this shoot that just was about to take off during COVID and it was like to like shoot the whole collection in the air like mid like trick in the air and then COVID came and we had to cancel the whole thing I'd like found all the snowboarders they'd agreed to it I found a photographer you know we were just about to like book flights and everything we'd even started making samples and XXL all these kind of things and then COVID came and and all the ski resorts got shut down so I was pissed and then you know we're, we're now here where we are and I decided that it might not be right because I was worried that people would be like well is that actually waterproof and can you uh, actually right. wear that skin yeah but you know because some can you co- no oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks sick no it would have looked sick that's not funny it looks sick I'd rather yeah. be cold and steezy yeah. than warm and right, fucking exa- shit exactly. but, but like know- yeah like, coming back to your point like I love ERL I think they're amazing and Eckhouse Lattice and it can never say it right Eckhouse Lattice yeah. yeah. and yeah. then you got um, Namchenko yeah yeah love them as well their knitwear as well is amazing yeah I'm here for it Kalina's Got a lot of like cool prints. They're just out there. So from the, from the sounds like you're either liking really like big bold stuff or really sexy stuff. That's basically yeah, kind of, what you're yeah kind exactly. Of I'm here. also like a big fan of poster girl because like okay, we, extremely sexy stuff. Yeah, because on our women's wear we do really sexy knit, like really sexy elastic, and then they've taken it to like another dimension with their sexy elastic. And like I'm in awe of that, you know. And then if you want to really go like high end, like I'm sure everybody would probably say this, but Louis Vuitton for me, men's not women's. Just saying this, yeah. 
Because like men's is out of this world. The women's on like yeah. in Louis Vuitton, they need a new, just putting it out there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I know Danny has a burning question for you. If you were an avatar in the metaverse, what would you be dressing in? What is your like dream fit basically? Like yeah, Dream fit. Money money's no object. Sure. Like conditions no object. You can dress in anything you want. This I don't care. Money's no object. It's still going to be AGR. Well, okay. What's the, what's the fit? Like head to toe tracksuit actually. What Which one? Right now? So I'm wearing, this is, is actually from Autumn Winter 20, but I'd probably wear the new one from Autumn Winter 22. That one's like tie dye, mad. I'd wear that and like. What are the colours? They are yellow, blue and black. Oh. We're going to go straight into a bit of a quick fire round. Danny's sent you some questions. I want to know your favourite one for each of these. So Danny, let's start with this quick fire round. <laughs> Alicia Robinson. Yes. <laughs> what is your favourite place to grab a drink? Stockton or Buster Mantis in Deptford. Favourite place for lunch? I mean, depends where you are, but Vapiano's. Oh, I'm oh, done. Right. Uh, yeah. again to do we? Uh, what do you mean? All right, you can fuck off. We'll <laughs> carry on. No, Vapiano's, I'm here for it. On for like just a normal one. Favourite date spot? This is where you'd take a date or where you'd like to be taken on a date? Okay, well, I've got a man, but... Uh... You can still take you on dates. If you're <laughs> where, where you're treating you right. No, but to be fair, the last date spot that For I the went... listeners who are all virgins, okay. this is a fashion podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> The last date spot we went on was Flat Iron. Highly recommend. Stunning. Favorite multi-brand retail store? H Dam. Favorite single brand retail Greg's. store? Greg's. Favorite vintage <laughs> store? <laughs> That's the second time. <laughs> Fucks. We're becoming a fast, Jordan. I thought it was a very serious fashion podcast. It was. Favorite vintage store? Not a store. Well, obviously it's an online store, but like vintage. Like I'm a big fan of vintage, Depop or. So you're an online girly? Yeah, I'm not online for that. Can't lie. I'm, I'm too busy. Favourite album? Burner Boy right now. Like, is most recent. Favourite song? Yay. Pardon? Like, yeah, 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 Nice. Yeah. Favourite song of all time? That is still, like, uh, like hands down, I know that people want to go dig yeah. deeper, but that would probably yeah. be, yeah. Yeah. I've got the best memories to that song. Yeah. Which one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Favourite Instagram page? Shade Borough. Like, I'm a oh. bit like that. Oh, oh I God. love that. You're no, 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 no. You no. are South London. I love that kind of shit. Obviously, I've got, like, really, like, I like a lot of, like, vintage ones and sort of, like, fashion ones, but, like, no. I love a bit of goss, guys. Favourite book? I'm going to have to put my hands up here, guys. I say, from South London, you can't read. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a bit dyslexic. No, I'm only joking. I always, like, so, me, it's more about research books, yeah? Yeah. So, like, amazing research books from, like, Moschino to, like, Stephen Sprouse or, like, Stone Island. I've got a lot of like amazing ones on my shelf or like even my mum's really old knitting books I take a lot of inspiration from them for like obviously collections favourite movie you're gonna hate me but I don't have like a favourite movie of all time friends the movie favourite TV series Real Housewives which one? Of? New Jersey, because they fight and I love it. Favourite art gallery? So, I love an art gallery. Like I said earlier, me and my mum, that's our favourite thing. So, one of my faves in London is the Fashion and Textile Museum in Bermondsey. And finally, <laughs> except AGR, favourite brand of all time? Final question. Missoni, hands down. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because oh, wow. just not even, but probably not just as like right now, because I don't think their stuff right now is like my favourite of all time, but as like heritage and as like my whole life, Missoni, because it's given me so much inspiration for my career. So now, oh, the God. audience question section. <laughs> Who is the first celebrity slash someone of importance to wear some AGR? 
I feel really bad, but the first ever, yeah. I would have to look up. Who was the first one you got gassed over? Burner Boy, like I said earlier. That, that, that one, was the first one? No, he was like, because I was like, wow, we've really hit the mark. Any important lessons you've learned from starting a brand? Just have a really fucking good accountant and have <laughs> not just like a, an accountant. It's a, it's a great. But somebody, but somebody that's not only just doing your books, but somebody that's doing cash flow and projections for the next five years. That's really fucking important. So a proper accountant? Yeah, yeah, like not just... Rather than one of these quotum ones. Yeah, yeah. Not just a right. bookkeeper, but like somebody that's really doing projections, you know, like when you want to take investment or you want to get people to come into your company, it's like you need to know these things. You need to have a five year plan, like business plans, all that kind of thing. Like they just don't like land in your lap. That's on you. What's the most recent lie you've told? Probably where I was like last night. Oh! <laughs> if you were to start another brand, would you do anything differently? I would probably try and raise investment before I started the brand. Who would you be your dream brand to collab with? Oh, 100% Louis. When you first got your big paycheck, what did you spend it on? Being honest, I got like some of my first real big paychecks when I was still working at Visions and we were partying like insanely. And I think I just spent a lot of my money on my friends. Getting That's a few rounds in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not and it's lie. like the appreciation. It's like, let's have a good night. I can finally get yeah, this Yeah, but like, now when I want them to buy round. me even a fucking drink, where are they? Yeah, innit? <laughs> you come on Dan- Danny Lomas' podcast and you get three <laughs> bottles of wine. That's what you do. Oh, um, yeah. So obviously we, we know you're booed up, but what are the red flags in a partner? When you meet a man and they say that like, what they like in you is like how ambitious you are, how driven you are, how much you have your own business. And then as soon as they get into it, these are the things that are actually too much for them. It's what and, they're lacking. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. And as a woman and a woman in business and a woman that like is really striving for success, I find it like it's really hard. Like it, even when you're in a relationship sometimes to so, like if somebody's not doing quite as well as you and then some sometimes they're like what do you call it the kill moves yeah. and it might be the other way yeah so it's like you have to find a man that is down f- to support you and then also to sometimes i like, understand that like i don't love you for how much money you're making exactly and i am like super one of those people where it's like if you've got I love me you, for you yeah and if you've got me i've got you it's the same yeah. with my friends sometimes we'll go out and it's like they've got no money and i'm like i'll get you all night long or even for the month and Isn't then it? next month you get me and exactly. then like but like sometimes when you're like trying to meet a guy it's not the same and there's a lot of egos involved yeah and for me it's like can imagine that yeah and the final question is who would win in a fight one trillion lions or the sun what what was that one trillion lions as in the animal or right. the sun oh the sun yeah what kind of question is that oh, I've never no, heard that before it. I've never heard that honestly I don't want you to that to be the last one we end on so what I'm going to say is Alicia thank you so much for coming on like everyone should go follow AGR Knit on Instagram it's like beautiful knitwear it's beautiful tracksuits it's beautiful cotton products and also it's a beautiful face on there aka Dane Lomas <laughs> you might all see you might all see Burner Boy but most people want to see Burner Boy topless but <laughs> gone <laughs> they want to see me topless no no that's him in a giant hit ideally <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah Um. so no I just want to say thank you so much and like although we mentioned at the start of the things the first guest we've had who we've not known personally you've kind of done us over by the fact that we feel like we've known you for so long it's like this hasn't actually been Podcast that we so, so ladies and gentlemen, the Croydon Ruth Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> oh my no, God. but thank you for having me on. I love you guys. Oh man, Bye. absolute pleasure <laughs> potting with you. Go buy some AG on it. Go follow AG on it on Instagram. And uh, yeah, and also, go whenever you see a photo of me on the AG on it, go like profile, it, say, go yeah, like yeah. it so I can get more. Some gifting. Yeah. He wants gifting. He wants gifting. <laughs> love you. Catch you in a bit.